Well, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother J.W. Brand here at God's Whole Word. Amen. And I'm glad to be with you here on this Friday. Uh, we had um, uh, quite a bit of a, a storm on Wednesday night after our Bible study. Uh, we had a major storm come through, a big windstorm, and we had uh, some... Uh, winds that were uh, just astounding, absolutely astounding, and uh, even uh, one of our uh, my relatives that live only about five minute drive from here, the wind was so strong that it uh, literally caused a an eighty foot pine tree to come up from the roots because the wind was just a rocking. And so, uh, but we thank God. I tell you what, I thank God for his protection, amen. And I know there was a point right after our Bible study on Wednesday night that uh, after, you know, we, we got finished and we started listening, we said, what is that sound? And there was a noise. And so we went to investigate and opened the door and realized the wind was a rocking. And that reminds me of the day of Pentecost because the Bible says, that on the day of Pentecost, that they were gathered together, but there was a sound that was like a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house. And people heard it from around. And so I can't help but think about that day and what that day must have been like. But I want to tell you, we've been talking about the things that God hates. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 16 through 19, we are on the second thing, the lying tongue. Verse 17, the lying tongue. And you say, how is it that you just keep staying there? I mean, you started on the proud look, you were on there for a while, and you just keep staying there with the lie. Uh, you know, this, this, this part, okay, we just move on. Well, we'll move on when the Holy Ghost wants us to move on. But I'm reminded of how on the day of Pentecost there was a rushing mighty wind that came through and, and it was so loud that people from all over came rushing to see what was going on. And then they saw all of these people filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues that they didn't even know. And they knew, those people that come rushing up in there, they knew that those Galileans had no way of knowing how to speak what they were speaking. Because they said, how is it that we can hear them in our tongue and our language and our, you know, their dialect and all these things. And they were, what were they doing when they were speaking in tongues? They were glorifying God. Amen. And, and throughout the scripture, then you find in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, that when Peter uh, spoke to them after he gave them a message and he said, look, this is Jesus. This is the spirit of the Almighty uh, come down uh, out of heaven. The glory of God has come and filled up these people just like the prophet Joel said was going to happen. And he said, uh, you know, throughout the message talking about the Lord and how that they had killed the Messiah and, and all of that. And then they, the Bible says in verse 37, they were pricked in their hearts. They were pricked in their hearts. I heard a preacher not too long ago, and I don't even know if I'm going to call him a preacher. And he was saying, well, you know, uh, we just, you know, repentance, all that means is we just change our mind. That don't mean we got to feel guilty. 
And I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. What makes you think that you're even going to get to the place of repentance if you don't feel guilty for your sin in the first place? And then I was reminded of the verse that when, uh, verse 37, when they said, what should we do? Because they were pricked in their hearts. Now, when you look at that word pricked, I mean, it talks about uh, literally almost like you're being stabbed. This meaning that you look up and it's like, well, okay, if I got stabbed, it's going to feel, I'm going to hurt. That ain't going to feel good. I'm not going to feel good. It's going to feel painful. And so it brought them to a place that Peter was able to say to them in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Ain't none of you going to be left out of this. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And then he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That very thing that brought them there in the first place. Why they went running? Because that Holy Ghost was being poured out. And it was a rushing mighty wind. And I thought about that when that wind got to rolling and rocking. And there come a point when we sat there, sat there and we said, you know, we got to get to praying. Well, I want to pray because it sounded like the, the walls were going to come loose. Because the wind was so amazingly strong. And uh, I found out from one of our relatives, they said, well, up there where y'all were, they said that they there were some places up there that it was clocked at 92 miles an hour. And so we're talking some heavy-duty wind. And then, of course, there was lightning and thunder and all those things, you know. But I said that to say this. Do you know how many people are lying? I'm talking about people up in a pulpit. And saying, well, that experience isn't for us today. That Holy Ghost and being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues, that's not for us today. Don't you know that's a lie? And the reason I say that's a lie is because I've been baptized with the Holy Ghost and, 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 and countless, we're talking countless, we're talking millions upon millions of people that have been baptized with the Holy Ghost. Are you going to tell all of these people that have been baptized with the Holy Ghost, no, uh, it, it, that's just some drummed up feeling you got going on. It's just a bunch of worked up emotion. And that lie has been perpetrated so deeply that people have made doctrines out of it. Now, I don't want to be mean, but the Bible does talk about doctrines of devils. Do you think the devil... Uh, wants you to be baptized with the Holy Ghost? He sure don't. He don't want you to have that power of God uh, that comes straight out of heaven, down in your soul, living in your soul. He don't want that because that means you've got power to fight against him. You say, well, I received the Holy Ghost when I believed. That's not what the Bible teaches unless it is that you were filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues because it was the evidence that they had in order to know that they've been baptized with the Holy Ghost. And as well, uh, you know, the apostles came across a group and, and began to talk to them, and, they, and that was the question that they said. If you automatically receive the Holy Ghost when you believe, then why would the apostle, uh, apostles ask them and say, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I mean, he literally asked them that question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? If you automatically receive it, there would be no reason for the question. 
And so uh, after a little further investigation, they, they realized that uh, these folks, they learned to believe in Jesus, but, but they had been baptized only uh, with John's baptism unto repentance. And so, as a matter of fact, let me, let me go there. I'm going, I'm going to go find that. It's in the book of Acts. We're going to go there. Um, and you've got... Uh, I'm going to look and see here. Let's see now. I believe it's chapter 16. I'm not sure. Hold on one second. And uh, well, we're going to get to that pretty soon. Anyway, but uh, he come across these believers, and if I remember correctly, they had been baptized under John's baptism, and so they did actually they did need to be baptized in Jesus' name. But I believe that they understood that Jesus uh, was the Messiah. But uh, the apostles. Uh, understood uh, by the fact that they had not been baptized in Jesus' name, because he said, "He said, well, how were you baptized?" That was the next thing, because when they, uh, you know, when he asked them, "Had you received the Holy Ghost since you believed?" You know, they said, "Well, we didn't not even heard of the Holy Ghost," uh, and and so then that led him to the next question. Well, if you've not heard of the Holy Ghost, then what baptism? were you baptized under in other words if you'd been baptized in jesus name you would have known about the holy ghost that was the point that i was uh, trying to to make and i'm still uh looking uh let's see i believe that we um if you go to to acts uh, chapter 10 and you read all of that, you find where in Acts uh, 40, in chapter 10 and verse 44, it says, And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word, and they with the, uh, of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, uh, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. This gave them the understanding that they had received the Holy Ghost because they heard them speak in tongues. And, and that's in uh, verse uh, 46, uh, 44 through 46 of chapter 10 of the book of Acts. And so, now this is when they went to, this is not uh, where they asked them about uh, what baptism they had been uh, baptized under. This was actually at Cornelius' house where uh, Peter had a vision and Cornelius had a vision and that brought them together. And so uh, they came together and they heard the words that were spoken to them by Peter. And as he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And they said that they knew that they had, because it says, for they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues. They knew that they'd received the gift of the Holy Ghost because they were speaking in tongues. Now, but of course, uh, the other, um, I haven't quite found it. I'm still looking. Uh, but the other one was where uh, the apostles came upon a group of people and they asked him, you know, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And there would be no reason to, to ask that question uh, if it was not an important question. Uh, you know, if it uh, really... Uh, was not important, uh, there would be no reason to ask uh, 
such such a question, but it was asked of them, and of course uh, came to the point that they uh, found out they had only been baptized uh, under John's baptism, which was under repentance. So uh, that was the next thing is that they asked them. They said, "Well, what um, what way were you baptized?" I mean, the reason that he came to that question was because they said they hadn't received the Holy Ghost. So the next logical question was, well, then how are you baptized? Because many, many people are baptized in the titles. Uh, and they, by that, I mean, they use Matthew 28, 19. And a lot of them will say, well, uh, you know, I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It doesn't, it doesn't rattle off like that. But that's how people will rattle it off. They'll say, Oh, I was baptized in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It doesn't say that. The operative word is the name because it says that they would be baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son. What of the Son? The name. And of the Holy Ghost. What of the Holy Ghost? The name. Because it was not in uh, plural, it was in singular. It didn't say in the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost or of uh, the three. So, but when Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when he's talking to these that heard that rushing mighty wind, and they all come running, Peter, uh, he's talking, he's standing there with the other apostles. They're all there. And not only that, but they had 120 people all together. Mary's, Mary's there, you know, the mother of Jesus. I mean, any of these people could have refused and refuted what Peter was saying. Saying, no, no, Peter. And you say, oh, that wouldn't happen because it's a scripture. Oh, no, 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 no. No, because there were other uh, situations that came up where people were uh, having disagreements and it was written in the scripture. So don't tell me that a disagreement wouldn't have been written. That's not true. And so none of them stood up against Peter when Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Not any of them uh, stood against him. They stood for what he was saying. And the people, uh, it said over 3,000 people were added to the church that day. So, uh, you know, as we uh, look through the uh, scripture. All right, so Acts chapter 19, that's where I wanted to go. So chapter 19, Acts chapter 19. You say, what does this have to do with the lying tongue? It has everything to do with this particular doctrine here itself. Because you got to look at the doctrine. Y'all can't just make up whatever you want to make up. You're going to have to have the doctrine of the early church. Because in the book of Jude, you find it says, he said, you know, at first I was just going to write to you about the common salvation. He said, but now it's needful that I write to you uh, not about the common salvation, but to contend for the faith that was first delivered to the saints. you got to go back to the beginning. What did the beginning uh, church teach? What was the first message? What was said? And what was continuing to be said after that? And so here we have uh, chapter 19 of the book of Acts, which is uh, far removed by several years uh, of, of time from the day of Pentecost. And, and then it says in verse 1 of chapter 19, it says, And it came to pass that while Apollos uh, at, uh, was at Corinth, and, a, and Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. So these were certain disciples. All right? Then he said, He said unto them, this is the first thing he said. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, he's come across these people. And the 
first thing he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, if it were a matter of you just automatically receiving the Holy Ghost when you believe in Jesus as the lie is told, because that's not true. Because if that were true, there would be no reason for this question to be brought up. And I'm not being mean or hateful. I'm not trying to, to uh, you know, listen, when I say a lie, I'm not saying that you yourself, if you, you know, you're a Trinitarian or you, uh, you know, you're just not sure and you just, you just followed that because that's what your mama taught or daddy taught, taught you and whatever. <coughs> listen. I'm, I'm not meaning that you yourself are a liar. I'm talking about the doctrine, the, the principles of doctrine that stand against what the Bible actually says. That's what's the lie. And so uh, what is it that you need to do as a Christian? Well, we need to be allowing the Holy Ghost to lead us into all truth. So if it is that we were told something that was a lie, that was a doctrinal lie, and and maybe we just never looked at it that way. We just said, well, you know, okay, Matthew 28, 19, it says, you know, to uh, go uh, out into the nation and teach them, baptizing them in the name of the Father uh, and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And, 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 and you just took that for granted just to, uh, you know, oh, what difference does it make? Well, it makes all the difference in the world. As you begin to study the book of Acts, you find that it makes a big difference uh, because the early church, you're going to have to uh, look at what they were doing because if Jude said, look, we've got to fight for what was first delivered to the saints, when was that recorded? It was recorded in the book of Acts. What was first delivered to the saints. And so you've got to, and of course the Gospels as well. I'm not trying to negate the Gospels and, and, and all that Jesus said, of course. Of course not. But, uh, but what Jude was referring to is, he said what was first come to the saints. He's talking about what happened with the church. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. The church had not started. But he said, I will build my church. And the day of Pentecost was the day that the church started. So that's what Jude was fighting for, was what was first delivered to the saints at the church, uh, at the beginning of the church, uh, the birthday of the church. And so we find that on the day of Pentecost, Peter saying, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. None of the apostles stopped him and said, no, we're supposed to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the... No, they understood that the name was Jesus. Because Jesus said, I come in my Father's name. That's what the scripture says. Now, we know the name of the Son is Jesus. And then Jesus even said before he left, he said that the Father would send the Holy Ghost in his name, meaning Jesus' name. So we understand that the name is attached to the Father. It's attached to the Son. It's attached to the Holy Ghost. And then the name is revealed as far as what the baptismal formula would be, being changed from John's baptism to baptism in Jesus' name. That's the only time it was changed. It was no longer going to be John's baptism where they were baptized unto repentance, but it was to change and be baptized, uh, being baptized in Jesus' name. And so this is the reason why it was so important uh, in Acts chapter 19. He said he came across uh, these people in Corinth, and it says Paul having passed through the upper coast. Uh, uh, well, he was on his way, and he went to Ephesus. As he came across, he realized they were disciples. Well, how did he realize that? 
Well, they're believing in Jesus, obviously. They're, they're disciples of Jesus Christ. But there's something that's not complete. So when you don't have the full gospel, the Bible is telling you, let the Holy Ghost lead you into all truth. If you don't have the full gospel given to you, then the Holy Ghost is going to do that very thing. If you really have a heart to want to know all of the gospel, the fullness of the gospel, um, you know, what is taught. And certainly we know the gospel means the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But that points us to being obedient to what God has called uh, the church to do through the mouth of Jesus Christ, to go and baptize believers and then begin to teach them all things and to observe all things that the Lord had taught. So the very first thing that the apostle is going to say to them, he said, look, the first thing you come across, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? I mean, it's the first thing that comes out of his mouth. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And you find in chapter 10 that they knew that they had received the Holy Ghost because they heard them speak with tongues. See? And they were amazed in chapter 10 that the Holy Ghost was now being poured out on the Gentiles as well as the Jews because up until that point, all converts were only Jews. All of the church was only Jews. And so it was astounding to them that the Holy Ghost was being poured out, but it wasn't astounding for them to say, for they heard with them speak with tongues. Because that was the premise of knowing that the person had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They understood that. And then in chapter 19, you have uh, Paul, the first thing he's got come out of his mouth when he sees these disciples in Ephesus, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. They hadn't heard about the Holy Ghost. They had heard about Jesus, obviously, because they were disciples. But they had not heard about the Holy Ghost. And if they were believers, which they were, because it says they were disciples. There's some people who want to argue that point, but no, they were disciples. Because if they were not disciples, that would not have been the first thing that he's going to say. He's going to stand there and start talking to them about Jesus. But they already knew that. They already understood that. The Apostle Paul got that point. They didn't need to be talked to about Jesus and who the Messiah was. No, the next step is, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And so they uh, themselves, it says we're not, we haven't heard about the Holy Ghost. And verse 3, he said unto them, well, then he begins, his mind starts to click. And he said, well, under what baptism were you baptized? Unto them, what were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. So they learned to believe in Jesus. This gave the Apostle Paul the understanding they were disciples. Because if they were not, he would have started talking to them about the need to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because a lot of people that have been baptized with John's baptism, they, they didn't know uh, about uh, Jesus as the Messiah yet. And, and, and maybe some of them, you know, because on the day when John revealed Jesus, well, Jesus was walking up at that moment and he was going to be baptized. And they said, behold, the Lamb of God. But, you know, when you uh, begin to look down through time, there's still people that have been baptized under John's baptism, but they may not have uh, witnessed that part. They just heard, oh, Jesus is the Messiah. But they've not been told yet. He said, well, everybody should have uh, known by then. No, not everybody did. Not everybody understood that was under John's baptism. They came to know about Jesus Christ, some of them, but they didn't come to know yet exactly what everything that was involved with that, which would mean to be baptized in Jesus' name. And this is where these people are rebaptized. 
You know, some people, they have a problem with somebody saying, well, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. No, I don't, because I've already been baptized. Yeah, but what baptism were you baptized under? Because if you were not baptized in Jesus' name, then you did not get baptized the way they were baptized in the early church. Even if you're baptized in the titles, you were not baptized like they were in the early church. Because the early church baptized in Jesus' name. Now, when you look at Acts 19, and he said, you haven't received the Holy Ghost. And they said, we haven't heard of it. And then he said, he connects the dots. And the Apostle Paul begins to tell, connect. Y'all, come on now. This ain't hard. This ain't like trigonometry. This is easy stuff. I mean, he connect the dots. Can't we connect the dots? My goodness, this ain't hard. And so verse 3, he said, okay, if you've not heard of the Holy Ghost, okay, but you know about Jesus. Well, how were you baptized? And they said, well, we were under John's baptism. So then this gives you the understanding. There are still people that are uh, have been baptized under John's baptism, but they hadn't come to the revelation that, uh, and they knew about Jesus, but they hadn't come to the revelation they needed to be baptized in Jesus' name. And that with that came the Holy Ghost. And so then Paul then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. So that's the only baptism that was known other than Jesus' name baptism. There was no such thing as baptism of uh, being baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. There's no recording of that whatsoever. And, and so John said, uh, John verily baptized... Uh, with the baptism of repentance. If if baptism uh, by the Trinitarian formula was something that was, uh, you know, thought about or taught in the early church in those days, then, then the next thing he would have said, okay, well, John's baptism was only under repentance. And if you were, you know, he's not going to go from there and say, well, were you baptized in the titles? That wasn't even a part of the conversation because that was not the way the early church did it. They baptized only in Jesus' name. And you know what? You don't have to just... Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm very skeptical of saying this because, some, because everybody knows that I absolutely believe that the Bible has all the answers for us. We don't have to go outside of God's Word to find the answers. But I will say this to you. If you doubt what I'm saying, you can even look in history, history books, that will declare that, yes, the early church... They baptized all of their converts in Jesus' name. This is actually in history books. Okay? So, now let's look at verse uh, 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized uh, with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the, uh, unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after, that is on Christ Jesus. And you say, oh, well, then there they are. They're explaining uh, needing to be baptized, uh, needing to know uh, Jesus Christ. But they've already been established as being disciples. And, and what he's trying to get across to them is, look, that baptism was to lead you to the very one that you're, you're discipled after, the one you believe in. He said, but remember, John said this, that you should believe on him that came after, and that is on Christ Jesus. Well, it says, look at verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. But it doesn't say, there's no conversation here about 
like what Peter had to uh, do on the day of Pentecost when he begins to explain to these that heard the rushing mighty wind and come up in there and try to explain to them, look, this is the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in, in spirit form. Uh, this is basically what he was saying in that message if you go back and read it. And he said, look, Jesus Christ, you crucified him. You know, you, and he goes through all of that and talks to them. He has to bring them around to understand that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. But he didn't have to do that with these people. They understood, yes, okay, remember, John's baptism was to point to Jesus Christ. So you have to be baptized in Jesus' name. Now, there's going to be people that are going to disagree with me. I know that they're going to disagree. But what you can't disagree is, it says when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you going to argue with that? Is that what you're going to do next? Because you can't say, oh, well, that meant they baptized him in the titles. No, they did not. It says when they heard that John talked about that, that one you know, because it says they were disciples, that one you know, Jesus Christ, you would have believed on him when he was come. And so uh, there's, there's this conversation. Now, some people say, well, there's other scriptures that, uh, uh, you know, that prove uh, that sometimes all the conversation may not have been had that was had. And I believe that. I, I do know that's true because uh, when you talk about the eunuch in uh, Acts chapter 8, there's, uh, there's a point in the conversation between Philip and the eunuch that doesn't talk about being baptized. And yet... The eunuch says, hey, he stops, has a chariot stop. He says, there's a body of water what stops me from being baptized. So somewhere along the way, there had to be a conversation. But the eunuch was baptized as well. But my, my point is this. These people were already labeled as a disciple. The eunuch was not labeled a disciple. He wanted to know, again, the conversation was, when the Holy Ghost led uh, Philip to go get up into the chariot with the eunuch, the eunuch was reading the book of Isaiah, and, and he says, who is that he's, this, this, that he's talking about that I'm reading about? He said, is he talking about himself or is he talking about another? Well, that gave Philip the opportunity to talk about Jesus Christ. But you don't see that here. You, you just see that he's explaining, look, when since you believe in the Lord, obviously because they were disciple, you're to be baptized in Jesus' name. But obviously you've not known about that, and you don't know about the Holy Ghost. So they're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus in verse five, and look what happens. It says in verse six, and when Paul laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, for they spake with tongues and prophesied. And there it is again. Now, you say, what, what, what does this have to do with a, a lie? Because there's a lie that's perpetrated, that's been perpetrated so deeply that many, y'all hear me now, many, 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 many churches do not baptize in Jesus' name because they have been fed a lie. And, and, and this is one of the reasons why that God hates a lying tongue so much. Now, I want to say to any of y'all that are Trinitarian, I'm not being mean and hateful. I love y'all. I mean, you... And, and especially if you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, no, I don't mean I love you more. I, what I mean is, if you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost, 
the Bible says that that's how we're baptized into the church. And so you've come further than maybe somebody who hasn't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking tongues. So maybe you understand that part, but you haven't come to completely and fully understand that baptism in Jesus' name is the way they were baptized. Because you've been trapped by the Trinitarian doctrine. Because see, what happens is the Trinitarian doctrine, it, what it does is it traps people to not take on being baptized in Jesus' name. And this is how the early church was baptized. There's no doubt of it. And some people will try to twist uh, some scriptures that, uh, you know, like if it says they were baptized in the name of the Lord, and they'll try to twist that. But you've got too many evidences because the Bible says, let every word be established by how many? Two or three witnesses. You've got two or three witnesses. You, so two or three witnesses has established in no uncertain term they were baptized in Jesus' name. Now you got more than three witnesses. So you can't argue with the facts. The facts are the facts. Just like, uh, you know, we've been I've been talking about on this podcast, the LBGT community, uh, the, the, all of that stuff that's going on. Okay? Because they want to argue with the facts. The facts are you can't change a man into a woman and you can't change a, a woman into a man. Those are the facts. And not only that, but the fact is, if you're going to be a Christian, the facts are, and I'm not being mean and hateful, I'm just giving you the facts. The facts are that God said, he made a male and female from the beginning. And then Jesus repeats the same thing in Matthew 19, saying he made male and female from the beginning. And then you've got in Romans chapter 9 and verse 20 uh, that uh, the Apostle Paul is saying, how can we argue uh, with the one that, uh, you know, that created us? Then why would we argue, uh, why did you make me this way? Now, I'm not saying, please hear me, if you are transgender, if you are part of the LBGT community or everything. Listen, especially I want to speak to, to those that are transgender. Look, I know that there are people that truly, truly, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, and I love you with all of my heart. I mean that. Look, I've met, I told you, y'all, I came out from uh, the gay agenda. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not same-sex attracted. I would be bold-faced lying to you if I said that. But I did know the moment that the Lord spoke to me and told me to come out from among them and be separate because there is a worldly agenda that's attached to the LBGTQ. There is a worldly agenda that has been attached prior to all of the alphabet soup we got going on. There is, and I'm not being mean, I'm just saying, I'm just repeating what some other folks have been saying. Some people call it the alphabet mafia. I, I won't, don't want to go that far, but I'm just saying. Uh, there are people out there that truly, truly struggle with that. And I know that. And my heart goes out to you. I mean that. I sincerely mean that. Because I've met them. I, I, I see this vast difference between those that I knew when I was in uh, following the gay agenda, which has been, you know, Quite a few years now. We're talking uh, more than two decades. 
ago that the Lord called me out. But but listen, <laughs> we can't reply back to God. Why did you make me this way? Without there being some kind of repercussion. Because when we get into the position to where... Y'all just hear me for a minute. When we get in the position where we're going to start questioning God to the point that we even question Him as the Maker... And I know that a lot of people, they'll say, well, everybody comes to a place of, uh, you know, some people, uh, that place where they question whether there's a God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those of you, because this podcast is geared towards those that walk with the Lord. You, you know, I mean, I don't understand why anybody would be listening to a podcast that's called God's Whole Word if you didn't have a mind to want to at least learn something about God's Word. It doesn't make any sense. Unless you just y'all just doing it because you want to argue with whatever said, and I know there's people like that. But when we get to the place to where we're gonna question God, where we already believe in Him and we already got faith in Him and all, you know, truly understand Him. Now, and, and that's the thing. There are a lot of people in the LBGT community, and I truly understand. I do that you've been pushed out and that you feel like, okay, I don't know what to do about these things. I don't know what to do about this struggle. I don't know what to do about how, how I, 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 the struggle that I have. And I'm kind of, you know, stuttering here so that you, you understand. I'm not playing games here, but I'm just saying so that you understand, I get it. It's, it's you know, it's like I said, you know, when I pleaded with God over and over, I said, God, won't you take this out of me? Why do I have to keep having this attraction when I know that everything around me and everybody around me is telling me this is wrong and this is evil and, and I've got hate coming at me and all of these things? Then... Um, why don't you just take it away? Because I want to serve you and I want to live for you and I want to please you because you're my God and I love you and I, 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 I want to honor you and I want to respect you and all of those things that I've said to God many times. And I know that there's people in the LBGT community, I, I know I get on here and I really, I can go to town, just saying. And I can tear up Jack, so to speak. But I do that because there are some that are just absolutely militant and don't even think one iota of, of slamming God or slamming God's people or, or anything of the sort. And those I stand very firmly against and I will stand against you with God's word in no uncertain terms. But with that said, I do know that they, because I've met them, I know that there are people out there that they feel like they're like in this quagmire. It's like this total, like, what do you do with this? How do you deal with this? Listen, and, and I want those on the right to really hear now, okay? 
Because some of you will shake your heads and say, no, I don't believe that. I don't believe that there are people like that. I believe that once you get to that point, because see, this is what happened with me. There were people, because when I, you know, this is back, when I came back to the house of the Lord, after I backslid and I had, you know, and so many people found out, oh, that preacher John, he fell and, and him and a preacher got involved and one thing and another and all this kind of stuff. All the things that it's true, but, you know, the gossip was probably more damaging than anything. Now, I'm not saying what I did was not damaging to, to me and the lives of others. I don't, I don't mean that. But I meant for the person that I wanted to be in God, that I wanted to come back to God, and I wanted to say, okay, Lord, I still don't know why you haven't removed this, and I don't know that it ever will be, but I want one more time, I want to be able to go, and I want to live for you, and I want to serve you, and even if I you know, have to be alone, I just want to serve you. And that was my heart, and I know that there are other people that I'm not the only one. I know there's people out there that really love the Lord, that want to serve Him. But but y'all, you say, how did this take this turn? We were talking about the Holy Ghost, and we were talking about uh, the lie of, of saying that the Holy Ghost is not for today, because that's where I was going to go with that next. I just want to veer off for a minute. Because this is the month of June, and I made up my mind. Uh, this is They want to call this the month of pride. I'm going to call it the month of holiness and humbleness to Jesus. That's, that's the way that I'm going to put that. But there were people. Now, this was back uh, in, in the late 90s, somewhere around there, when I came back. And back in, so we're, we're talking, you know, a good... 30 years ago, um, the a lot of people, a lot of Christian folk believed that, and especially Pentecostals, and especially oneness Pentecostals, they believed that if you went to that way, as far as being uh, same-sex attracted, that you your mind was seared with a hot iron and there's no hope for you. They actually took certain scriptures and turned it around and and uh, but the thing of it is that attraction had been there since I was a young person, very young. Uh, I mean, I've I can remember, and when I say sexual attraction, I literally mean sexual attraction. I remember sexual attraction as as early as eleven years old. I remember that very clearly, um, with other boys and and that kind of thing. So. And I hadn't been baptized with the Holy Ghost yet. I hadn't known uh, about the truth of the oneness of God. I hadn't known about Jesus' name, baptism. I'd been raised as a Baptist and was still going to the Baptist church at that time up until about 13 years old. And then uh, coming to the truth of the oneness of God and, and holiness, living, separated from the world, and Jesus' name, baptism, and all of those things, um, once I turned 19 well 20 actually i mean i started going to the church at 19 and then by the time i was 20 i was baptized and it was just a very short period of time from the time i got in church and then turned 20 and then was baptized in jesus name so but that never 
left and and then i was plus i was baptized with the holy ghost now i was said i was baptized in jesus name at 20 and that's the truth a matter of fact i remember the day it was february 8th um it was on a sunday and uh but i was baptized with the holy ghost when i was 16. um and that was at a trinitarian pentecostal church uh but they were very um, strong holiness believers back then. That was uh, in 1977. Uh, and um, so, but I had always had that attraction. It had not, it had not went away. Um, but I knew that there were certain things uh, that I, you know, probably as a Christian shouldn't do and that kind of thing. And I, you know, was learning uh, as I would attend church and continuing to go to Sunday school and learning from the teachers and the pastor that was there and so on. You know, and then once I got into the Oneness Pentecostal Church, that, well, because you heard so much uh, about, and the reason why we did is because there was a, like two gays bars within just a short distance from the church. And a lot of times what some of these uh, gay people would do, because one of the bars was right next to the church, they would load up in a pickup and then they would drive through the parking lot of the church and they would make obscene gestures while they're in the back of that truck. And so that was difficult for me to even want to be associated with what I saw in the back of that truck as people were acting like they were having sex which they weren't but they were giving motions as if they were driving through the parking lot while some people were out there in the parking lot and it was very disturbing to me because i thought here i am same-sex attracted nobody in the church knows and then that is there and that just made me just sick to my stomach but you know it it stood to reason why that so many of them in the church that i you know, grew up, when I say grow up, I mean growing up in the Lord and the uh, truth of knowing the oneness of God and all of those things and holiness living and, and that kind of thing. But I, but I was, you know, in, and I can't say it any other way, but indoctrinated that really uh, having a, getting a wife is going to take care of uh, sexual urges and those kind of things, that type of mentality, even though I wasn't attracted to a female. But, you know, the thought is still there, okay, well, maybe this will work. But it didn't, and it only got worse because I did marry, and that's a whole other story. But there were many people there that had this mindset that, okay, if you go down that road, then your mind is seared, and you don't really love the Lord, and so on and so forth. So I say to both those of you on the right that are hearing, if you're listening, and I don't know if you are or not, Look, I don't understand it all either because I, I can't say to you why the Lord said to me as I kept praying and then finally after years and years and years of me praying that same thing for the Lord just take it out of me. And the Lord finally said, my grace is sufficient. And that was, that was it. And then he said, go and do what I told you to do or what I called you to do. And so now for those that may be listening to this part of the lbgq i don't know um i know that there's some of you i know you love the lord 
I know you want somewhere to go. I know you you want your soul to be fed. I'm not saying you don't because I know what that feels like. I felt so alone and still a lot of times I feel that way because sometimes I, I think to myself, well, um, you know, it's hard because I want to be able to fellowship sometimes with, with some of my oneness brothers and sisters and, and I, I can't do that on on the scale that I would like to, you know. Um, and when I say that, I mean, you know, like going to their house for dinner and getting to know me more personally. Uh, I go for the fellowship and the worship and, uh, you know, sometimes in some of these other churches, Brother Vernon and I will attend and uh, so on as we're building this, this ministry that we really are wanting to uh, bring people together for uh, a place of worship and fellowship that feels like they just have nowhere to go. Because I know what that feels like. But at the same time, listen, we can't drop holiness. We can't drop the Word of God. We can't drop what the truth is. And I see some others that are trying to do that. They're trying to uh, assimilate themselves as a oneness Pentecostal church. That's my dog barking, if y'all hear that. She sometimes sees people out the window and starts barking. Um, and I don't want to leave my desk to go tell her to be quiet. Um, but there's this need that everybody has to have fellowship. I mean, the body of Christ, you have to be able to come together and, and assimilate yourself in 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 ways of fellowship but not just as in worship but also uh you know it said they went house to house and 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 they in the breaking of bread which can uh be spoken of in two parts because there's um the lord's supper or what many know as communion and then there's also uh, the fellowship of, of sitting and eating together. You know, they talked about having love feast where they came together. And a lot of people, uh, a lot of churches, they have, you know, what they'll call fellowship dinners and that kind of thing, or, or church picnics and that kind of thing. But I remember the last church picnic that I went to there because I had went back. I had went down to the altar. The pastor had called me down. He saw me and uh, saw that I had come back and went down there. But the acceptance was just not there because people had had it ingrained in them by maybe well-meaning preachers but misinterpreting some things in the Scripture and then having this idea that anybody that struggles with that, that their mind is seared with a hot iron. And then you feel like you've just been pushed. You've just been pushed out. You have nowhere to go. Even though you love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and you're trying, pleading with God. And yet the Lord finally just says, my grace is sufficient for you. Now go and do what I said to do. And so I have to obey him. I have to allow myself to obey him because there are people out there that are desperate, desperate. To, to have a place to fellowship and to worship. and But, you know, I, I do understand in the LBGT community there is so much rebellion, so much defiance against authority that if you, you know, try to explain to people, look, we have to be submissive to God and we have to be submissive to His Word and be obedient to Him, that many of them will turn away. But for those of you that 
maybe you've experienced living as as you know somebody that knew that truth living the oneness doctrine and you struggled with same-sex attraction and you just don't know where to turn and 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 maybe you never told anybody now like i said i've i've testified on here and i've talked about my um testimony in having sought out help and and how that became disastrous and so on but you have to keep holding on to your faith don't let go but listen we can't let go of any of it and this is something that the holy ghost kept pressing me he kept saying to me over and over for me not to let go of both inward and outward holiness standards the holy ghost insisted and so over the years i've you know even the children that we've adopted people knew that we lived different we didn't live like others we didn't go to the bars we didn't go uh, to we did not take our children nor did we go ourselves uh, never went to gay, gay parades or none of that it was not part of our, our life we didn't live that way but we lived a very uh, separate and holy life unto God just as we were taught uh, to do now um, brother Vernon he had come from uh, what was known as the Bible Baptist Church was a very um, conservative um, church as well and so a lot of some of the similar beliefs of, of uh, the fact that uh, men and women uh, have distinctive um, ways of dress and distinctive uh, roles and all of that type of thing. So, and we still hold that dear to our hearts in, in truth as, as, as it is. And so those of you on the right, Please know that there are people that truly love the Lord, that this is what's happened, and this is what God has called them to do, to uh, hold on to the holiness, hold on to uh, separation from the world, hold on to all the truth that we've been taught. And I, I want to say, I am so deeply grateful, deeply, deeply grateful to everything that I was taught. I, I am in awe of so much of the teaching that I had and, and all of the um, teachings of, of how to live for God, how to serve the Lord, and, and all those things that are so deep, deeply rooted into my heart. But there's people out there that need to be reached, and they're struggling, and they don't know what direction to go. And so many times what's happened with the church, uh, or so many churches, not just the Oneness Church, but... You know, many, many churches, um, and especially those with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they got into this idea of, uh, you know, reparative therapy, and that has been proven to be really um, a very almost dangerous thing to even do. And I think that, that that's probably why the Lord said what he did to me is that my grace is sufficient for you um, and so uh, that's where where you have to uh, look at the fact that you know no matter what part of you um, may have some brokenness in one way or another uh, because you cannot say nobody could say that somebody that's same-sex attracted uh, doesn't have some kind of brokenness, but neither can you say 
that somebody that's opposite sex attracted doesn't have some some kind of brokenness, and neither can you say somebody that would be considered bisexual that's attracted to both opposite sex and same sex, that there isn't some kind of brokenness. We all have some type of brokenness uh, within us, um, you know, and, and so many people say, well, uh, all the brokenness uh, is healed when you come to Jesus. Well, I believe that in the sense of the spiritual sense of things, yes. But in the sense of every uh, thing that you uh, see in the realm of this uh, world that we live in, it's not always uh, done that way. Sometimes the Lord just does not do that. Because the Apostle Paul said he prayed for three times. And, and the Lord said those words to him. My grace is sufficient for you. And so whatever it was, it was a type of brokenness of, of the flesh in one way or another. Uh, so I'm really praying, really hoping and praying that through this ministry, not only God's whole word, but as well as the ministry we have with the eunuch ministry, uh, eunuch preacher ministry, that somewhere along the line that there will be uh, some kind of... Um, ability to come together with other um, people of like faith uh, to to discuss some of these things in the scripture um, and and be willing to um, I'm not saying that people are going to be willing to accept some of the things that I've even said here some people just say no God didn't tell you that there's people that will literally say that and I know they will and and you know I'm not I'm not ignorant to that fact. But but the thing of it is, I do know the Lord did say that. And so that's where I don't get bothered by those things because I know what the Lord said. So because if the Lord didn't say something to someone, then somehow they can be bent in another direction. Because if the Lord has actually said something to you, then... There's just no way to move from that. There's no way to, to remove yourself from it because you know the Lord spoke. If you really truly have faith in Him and believe and know that the Lord walks with us and talks with us and, and, and fellowships with us, and, uh, and I believe that emphatically, and I've had a, the experience of that uh, many times over in my life, as well as I know many other people have too. Um, but I'm hoping that one day we can be able to 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 sit and 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 be able to talk about uh, some of the things concerning the eunuch. Um, I really would like to be able to do that at one point. And I don't mean so that we can just you know like get together and argue and all that kind of thing. I'm not talking about that. But uh, you know maybe. Uh, just kind of coming together with the Word of God and looking at it and sincerely looking at it, and, you know, from both perspectives. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that, that you don't have anything to impart to me, but I, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, but I would hope that that same would be um, also on this end of things, that maybe you, you would be able to stop and hear uh, a couple of things said in the scripture and, and explain uh, certain things that, that are there, that are truly there. We're not talking about uh, doctrine that's, 
You know, the Bible talks about heresies. It talks about where people, you know, they came up with some finangled thing or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the scriptures and what the scriptures are saying and that kind of thing and coming together and talking about those things. So hopefully one day. But in the meantime, I'm really praying for God to use this ministry to reach those um, that really have a heart to want to live for the Lord and really have a heart, y'all, y'all that <coughs> you made up your mind, I want to live for God. I don't want to have nothing to do with this LBGT alphabet soup agenda. I don't want to live this way. I know that I'm same-sex attracted or maybe you're, you're bisexual. you got them both going on. Uh, but you know that there's something uh, that you deeply uh, feel for God and you want to live for Him and you want to walk with Him and you and and if you have uh, experienced life in a conservative church and you know that that's still deeply inside you uh, uh, what you feel a, a love uh, you know I mean you know some people they over the years when I've talked to them you know when I was in the gay agenda and I would say to them I would tell them I will always love the truth. I I know the truth and I love it and I always will. And when I would explain to them what I meant, they felt like, well, that's just, you're just um, blinded by a cult. And I know that's not true because I see the scriptures, I'm looking at them over the years with God-fearing people that are filled with the Holy Ghost and, 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 literally being able to take the word of god and and walk you through it and teach you and and then the effects of it you know because the seed is put in and then it begins to grow and you can feel yourself growing in the lord and, and all of those things now one thing i will say is where i made my mistake as many will admit i'm sure if you're going to be honest with yourself you're going y'all going to admit that you didn't stay prayerful even if you were baptized with the holy ghost there comes a point where because you're struggling so much with feeling lonely, uh, wanting, you know, an intimate connection with somebody, uh, and you know that this is the attraction you have, and you just don't know what to do. And so uh, you get to the point to where you start losing focus on focusing on the Lord, and, and you, the prayer life starts to diminish. And so... One thing leads to another, and then next thing you know, you're you're not walking where you should be. But there came that point where over the years, as the Lord began to pull on me and, and draw me back, uh, which I'm so grateful, so thankful. Uh, you know, I'm thankful for my grandmother's prayers and my aunt's prayers and, you know, all my aunt's different ones praying that God would bring me back. And I know that the Lord, uh, you know, in his love and his mercy did so, and I, I, I'm grateful to that. Um, but this what you see in the scriptures with the eunuch it cannot be ignored any longer this cannot be ignored any longer so we've got to come to a place uh, where we understand and I know a lot of people they're, they're just going to shake their heads and say oh well you're not that doesn't apply to you and and there's plenty of things that we can talk about if we can come to the table and and then express 
those things to me that as as I express to you and I uh, am talking to you and we're going through the word I don't want to um, ever get into a place where there's not a prayerful uh, place that we can be in where we're, we've sincerely gone to God in prayer and 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 looking at the word and I'm going to tell you what I don't believe in none of these newfangled uh, I won't even look at the new King James Version I don't do that I am in King James Version that's where I'm going to stay and the reason is because this is the point uh, that I'm talking about. Because sometimes uh, there's things that are said and things that are interpreted that can be interpreted for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years doesn't necessarily mean that it's correct, such as the Trinitarian doctrine. Now that was preached and taught for hundreds and hundreds of years, and now you've got millions of people that believe it but yet they don't know what they believe. And certainly a, a person that believes and understands the oneness knows fully well what I'm saying is true. So, uh, but what is the bottom line of it? The bottom line is this, there's lost souls. There's lost souls and, and, and there is a, a certain um, ministry I believe that, you know, wherever the Lord calls you, that's where you need to be, and that's where you need to um, focus uh, on with what God calls you to do. You know, the, um, the Word of God says that. And so uh, that's what I, I want to be able to do is to reach people uh, to let them know, look, there is a place that you can go and live for God and serve God uh, in, in the fullness of truth, uh, living for the Lord with all of your heart, and uh, knowing that you may be dealing with this, and you may be, uh, this is something that you, um, you know, have been dealing with all your life, and, and you pretty much have come to the conclusion and understanding that you're going to be dealing with it for the rest of your life, and that kind of thing. So, um, but uh, all in all, um, I do want to get back just for a moment. I know I veered there. Um, but the Holy Ghost, for those of you that have been listening, and I could probably pretty much guarantee there's going to be more people that believe in the Trinity that would come across my podcast than those of the oneness belief. And if you don't know what the oneness belief is, you can, well, I don't know if you Google it, you might get, you might get some improper information because some people believe uh, that the oneness people uh, believe that the Son fathered his own body. We don't believe that. That is a bull-faced lie. Um, so we believe that God is the Father in creation, the Son in redemption, and the Holy Ghost in regeneration. Now, for the Trinitarians, they believe that they are literally three distinct gods in one Godhead. We do not believe that. We believe there is but one God, and he's manifested himself in these three uh, ways. But manifesting yourself is something far different than literally being another god, because that would mean you're worshiping three gods. So we don't, uh, we don't do that, and, and uh, we don't believe in that way. So the other thing is that uh, it will impede you from being baptized in Jesus' name. And as we've looked and seen the early church, that's what they did. 
they baptized in Jesus' name, and they believed in receiving the Holy Ghost, and they also believed, as you saw in the scriptures that we read, that that meant they were speaking in tongues. That's how they knew that they had received it. And there's no other, no other uh, position that the early church took. Uh, that was the position that they took. But now you have a lie that has been perpetrated all the way from uh, the Council of Nicaea from 325 A.D., and it's just followed down through what we now know, you know, so many know uh, as the Catholic Church. And then you have the Protestants that protested from there. Well, the oneness people are not Protestants. Now, if there's some that you run across that say they are, I'm going to tell you what, I ain't one of them. Uh, and there's there's a lot of a lot of oneness people that will attest to uh, the fact that, no, we're not Protestant. We're just the restored church. The church of the living God has been restored. God has restored it back. People began to receive the Holy Ghost again. Uh, you found that in the early 1900s, and people began to, the church began to be restored back uh, to its original intent. And so uh, people uh, still are being baptized with the Holy Ghost. Still to this day, people are being baptized with the Holy Ghost. And there are many, many churches that are still uh, holding to the doctrine of the, of the early church and baptizing the people in Jesus' name, just as the Bible clearly states to do. And, and then those churches, many of them, now I'm not going to say all of them because there's some of them that have gone the way of the world, uh, and they don't teach holiness and separation from the world anymore like they used to. And that's a shame. But uh, it's something that uh, the Lord made very clear. He says you're going to have to uh, go and you're going to be reaching these uh, people. And uh, you can't let go of these things. It is absolute uh, imper imperative, absolutely imperative uh, that I not let go of those things because this is something that the Lord insisted that I not do. And so a lot of people, you know, they get bothered. Uh, I remember when we were pastoring a church up in Washington, and we had people that were very angry because we were teaching the congregants uh, to uh, live a separate and holy life unto God. We were open uh, to any and all people to come into the church, but when they got there, they understood, look, we live a separate and holy life, and we believe that there are distinct uh, a distinction between the sexes of male and female. We teach that. And I know a lot of people in the LBGTQ community, they're not going to be com comfortable with that at all. But it's not about our comfort. It's it's what does God's Word say. And so we've taught that. And, and um, you know, we taught the ladies, the women, uh, the women in our church, they, they did not wear pants. They did not even, you know, our daughters, we had five daughters, none of them even owned a pair of pants. Um, they wore skirts and dresses, and they didn't just wear skirts and dresses, they wore modest skirts and dresses. Now, I'm not talking about uh, needing to wear them down to, to the floor, but, uh, you know, modest, and, uh, and modest blouse that uh, didn't show cleavage and so on. Uh, we taught our daughters not to cut their hair. Because it was scriptural, first and still is, First Corinthians chapter eleven, and so we taught those things. We taught that uh, our church, uh, that the, the, not just the women, but both men and women, that we didn't uh, adorn ourselves with outward uh, things such as jewelry and and or makeup. You know, we we didn't we don't do that, and we don't believe it to this day, and we still teach those things. But that's the very thing that caused a lot of people to become angry with me 
as a pastor because they said, well, why are you teaching that? I said, because it's Bible. And so a lot of people had a hard time understanding that because they knew that I was a same-sex attracted person, but they couldn't make any sense out of what I was saying because I'm saying, look, you have to come out from the gay agenda, and you, and yes, I am. Because they said to me, you know, I wasn't going to lie. They said, so you're you're saying that you're you're now you're a heterosexual. I said, no, I never said that. I'm still same-sex attracted, and I guess I will always be. But the Lord said, His grace is sufficient, so I got to be obedient. So we just keep on moving. And so, and and as far as the young men, we talked, and they wore, uh, you know, decent haircuts. You know, they didn't have long hair. They had decent haircuts they got on a regular basis. We taught them to be, uh, you know, if they're going to be in the ministry, they're going to be clean-shaven, and, and that kind of, that's a whole other issue. But, um, you know, um, it, it defied reasoning with people. They said, this doesn't make any sense. I said, that's because when a person is blind spiritually, you can't see God's ways. It's very hard. And then, of course, they would say, oh, well, that was just uh, cultural issues back then. I said, no, that has nothing to do with it. I said, I can prove that to you in the scriptures. I can literally pr prove it to you that a woman not cutting her hair has n nothing to do with a cultural issue. It's right there in chapter 11. I said, it's, there's absolute proof of that that that's not what it is. And when you show it to them and they see what I said was true, they still stuck to their guns anyway. Well, I don't care. I don't believe that. And then you know what the next thing they do is? That was written by men. That's the next thing they go to. And I said, well, I don't believe that either. I said, I believe that uh, God used men, but they could not help but do what God said to do and write what God said to write. And yes, you had them writing within the culture that they were in, so you're going to see certain things in there. Uh, you know, you hear uh, this, what's going on with the uh, LBGTQ community being upset uh, that certain books are being removed from the library, and then they want to say, well, we're going to have the Bible removed. And, and they want to say, well, uh, you know, the Bible's got a lot of uh, explicit detail. Well, it does. But there's a difference between your material, y'all's material, and God's material. There's a whole difference. You say, well, it talks about uh, private areas in, in the uh, Bible. It talks about sex. That sure does, and it gets real detailed. I mean real detailed. That's true. But the difference between your mess up in uh, the schools that you want to keep up in there and the Bible, there's a whole different, a whole different thought. Because the Bible is giving you all the direction of God saying, look, here's the boundaries. This is what certain things are. This is how it's going to be. This is the detail of it. If God hadn't given the detail, you wouldn't know about the detail about sex. And so God gave all that. But what was the point? Is your book going to lead people to saving grace of Jesus Christ and be saved and cancel the ticket out of hell i'm gonna tell you right now that book is not gonna do that that you want to purport that needs to stay in the library but i'll tell you what the word of god is a whole different book because this book is alive that's what the bible uh, teaches us and i'm telling you if you get to study the word of god you find out it is alive you can't sit there and read the word of god and not know that it's alive hmm? it's quick and powerful and it's able to cut through all the way through, all the bone and the marrow and everywhere, and get down to the nitty-gritty of the soul. And this book can save you. The words that God gave 
The Bible says the Word came, became flesh. But the Word, as you begin, the, Jesus talked about the Word cleaning you up. And so the Word of God can do something that your material that you want to live, uh, leave up in the library uh, of the schools, all it's doing is being an instruction about sex. I heard it being read in some of these uh, school board meetings. And all it is is an instruction about how, how to go about having sex so that you can be free to do what you want and be happy for you. That's what your end result is. But the Word of God is something different because, yes, it's got detail. It shall do. I mean, you can read some things. There's some things that, as a parent, you're going to want to be careful about what you read certain passages in the Bible. That's true. There's no, there's no getting around that. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, you know what the Word of God can do? It can convict you of your sin. Do you hear? Because those on day of Pentecost, they were pricked in their heart. It can convict you of your sin. Yes, it can. And then the conviction of the sin that you have in your heart can lead you to repentance if you're willing to humble yourself before God. And then that, that very thing, repenting, then accepting the Lord Jesus Christ allows you to cancel your ticket to hell. You see? And those other books, they're not going to cancel your ticket to hell. Do you understand? Now, some people don't like my reactions. Some people don't like that I go, do you understand? They don't like that. Even some Pentecostal preachers don't like it because they'll say, oh, that's authoritarian. Look, we are coming across in this generation that we are living in. Listen, how did they preach years ago? That's how they preached. They slammed on those pulpits. They talked about hell. They talked about hell fire. They talked about you repenting. They talked about you turning from your sin. That's what they did. And now everybody wants to soft soap everything. And they say, well, you know, if you're going to be a healthy church, a healthy minister, and all this kind of... Listen, there has to come a place where we understand we're up against a fight for the souls of lost people. This is a spiritual battle. And sometimes, as they get vehement in what they're going to do, you think God ain't going to call some folks to be vehement? I got news for you. I got Bible. Oh, yes. Hmm? Sure do. You tell me. Tell me about Ananias and Sapphira and don't tell me God didn't mean business. Yes, he did. You want to lie to the Holy Ghost? Bam! He struck them both dead. Husband and wife within a three-hour span of one another because they lied. And yes, they lied to the preacher. But, of course, the preacher said to them before they fell over dead, uh, you didn't lie to me, you lied to the Holy Ghost. I mean, that's the essence of what he was saying. He said, you didn't lie to man, you lied to the Holy Ghost. Meaning, you didn't lie to the preacher, you lied to the Holy Ghost. So, therefore, uh, they no longer were walking with God any longer. They let their life and their ideas and their thoughts to take over. But look at all the many preachers, all of the hellfire preachers that turned things around in their day. I remember uh, I was looking something up one time and it's talking about the really uh, 
long message that the one preacher had, and he was talking about hell, and it was it was memorable. Where I mean, this was many many years ago, and the preacher he started preaching it, and, and it's even been uh, something that has been read in like college classes and stuff because of the way the man was was talking. Uh, and and he went into such detail. People were scared to death, but it caused them to to run to the altar. Many people got saved. And the Bible says that some come by fear. You know, I'm not saying that all people are, you know, you know and, and all people are not going to come by fear. Some some people come by a message of love. That's true. But there are some, some people that God is going to take and he's going to make them and mold them and shape them to do the work that they've got to do because of what they are going to encounter. And so, you know, I, I, I want people to understand, look, I love people. I'm, I'm, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And, and people that know me personally, they know that's true. They know I, I love people. I truly do. But they also know this about me. I don't play around when it comes to Jesus. I believe that you've got to live a holy life, and I believe you've got to be separate from the world. And I believe when God says to come out from among them, you better obey him. And so I don't know how it is that it could go for literally centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries of this lie that got perpetrated to the point that now so many, many churches will say, oh, you don't, you don't receive the Holy Ghost like they did in the early church. That's, it's different now. All you got to do is believe and the Holy Ghost will be there. The Bible don't teach that. The Bible is teaching you exactly what it looked like, what the church identified receiving the Holy Ghost as. You can't change it because you want to change it. It don't work that way. You can't decide that you're going to do it a different way by taking one or two verses out of context when you see the ebb and flow of everything that's being said that, that the Bible's making it very clear as to how they identified them having uh, been baptized with the Holy Ghost. So, folks, we're rounding the band here. But I would encourage you, won't you take the time to read the book of Acts? If you're not baptized with the Holy Ghost, let's say you're Catholic or Baptist or Presbyterian or whatever, and you've never been baptized with the Holy Ghost, won't you take me up on this, mm, I don't know what you call it, challenge, I guess? Read the book of Acts and see what happened. See what happened. Look at all of the stories and the things that happened as people were filled with the Holy Ghost and how that it changed things, how life changed for those folks, how even whole communities changed because people were receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So with that said, folks, I want to encourage y'all, if you, especially, oh my goodness, especially if you live in Texas, uh, try to stay hydrated this next few days because it is going to be really hot. It has been so uh, very hot and very humid. And uh, uh, I did get a little overheated the other day. And so it just reminds me to, to remind folks, you got to stay hydrated, drink lots of water, uh, just, just trying to be just a caring person, um, you know, just that kind of pastor thing coming out of me, I guess, or parent thing, whatever you want to call it. 
Um, but uh, j just be careful, uh, you know, when you start feeling like, you know, your head's pounding too much, your heart's pounding too much, and you uh, getting dizzy, it's best to step back and, and uh, get cooled off. Uh, but I, I noticed, I did find out that uh, in some other places in Arizona, they're having a lot of heat as well. Of course, that's uh, not surprising there with so many places in the desert. Um, but I'm up in here in the, the greater Houston area, uh, in a suburb of Houston, but, um, but it has been really stifling hot with the humidity. So be careful out there, y'all. Y'all be really careful. And um, we're going to have uh, our Sabbath service tomorrow, uh, uh, the eunuch preacher. You can look that up on the YouTube. Um, just Google it up, the eunuch preacher. The first letters of each of those words is capitalized, and then the words are separated, the eunuch preacher. And you can Google that, and uh, and it, it will... We're not live. We don't. We pre-record everything, just like this podcast is pre-recorded and then downloaded later on. And so, a lot of times, y'all might not get uh, it downloaded until later in the evening on uh, Tuesdays and uh, Fridays for the podcast. Sometimes it might even fall into the next day, depending. Because, like the other day, our electricity went out. So, if we didn't got no power, we don't have a way to continue on. Um, but in any event. Uh, would encourage you you know if you don't have anywhere else to listen in uh and you feel like maybe you just you just wish that you could um just be a part of people that maybe you're of like-minded faith but you struggle with same-sex attraction and you just you know you say i just want to be able to um you know maybe if fellowshipping in that way online as as we say i guess um just being a part of of the body of Christ in one way or another, and we we really are uh, praying for the Lord to open up uh, this ministry to the point of of starting a church and all that, so we can have you know a, a brick and mortar somewhere to go. Uh, even if uh, we start out maybe renting a space for worship in a hotel somewhere, I know a lot of churches do that. So, but um, we're, we got to go in God's time. And so y'all pray for us because uh, we really want the Lord to move because there are lost souls to be saved. And you know, time is running out, folks. The Lord is going to come back after the church. And we, hallelujah, thank you. Glory to God. Jesus is coming back after the church and we've got to be ready. Now, I was talking to somebody on the phone today and I said, you know, I said, we're not going to miss our appointment with the Lord. And she said, yes, I, I know. And I, I said, i tell you, some people, you know, they may leave for their appointment earlier in their age than others. Some people leave later in their age than others. But one thing you ain't never going to do, you ain't, you ain't never going to miss it. Not a one of us. We're not missing our appointment with God. And the thing of it is, you're not only not going to miss it, you got to be ready for it. You've you got to be prepared to meet God. Because if you're not prepared to meet him, and you've got to have your wedding clothes on, you say, what do you mean? I mean exactly what I'm saying. The Bible talks about having your wedding clothes on. You've got to be ready to meet the Lord. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, if you listen to the eunuch preacher, our Wednesday night Bible studies, you listen to our Sabbath worship service on Saturday, might be loaded up, like I said, on Sunday by the time, just depending on whether electricity gets knocked off or whatever. Um, and then listen to the 
um, podcast here at God's Whole Word. We can go into a lot of those things and Bible studies and things like that. But uh, in short, I can say this. There's certain things that are going to identify you as being ready to meet the Lord. And the Scripture is very clear of that. And so the first thing is that you need to repent of your sins. And you need to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior because He is the only one and only Lord and Savior. There's not another one coming. You've got to accept Him. If you don't accept Jesus, you're going to be lost. And you must repent. You can't get a... You can't get up another way. You can't climb up into the church another way. you got to do it God's way. And so really, it's all in a nutshell when you read Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 38 and 39 through 42, because it talks about uh, they continued in the apostles' doctrine as well as uh, fellowship and the breaking of bread. And so all of the things, the holiness of God and uh, the the teaching of holiness and separation for the people of God to live a different way than the world and that God is calling you to come out from among them. All those things are wrapped up in there. So, um, you know, you got to repent. you got to find a preacher that will baptize in Jesus' name. Not all of them are going to baptize in Jesus' name, so you got to find out. But it's not hard to do. In most places, you might get close enough. You might have a city that's already got a church that will do that. Uh, but they're going to want to know, did you repent of your sins? Have you accept the Lord as your uh, Lord and Savior? Have you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And they will baptize you. And you're, going to be, you're not going to be sprinkled. You're going to literally go down uh, in, in, in the water all the way under and come back up and they'll baptize in Jesus' name. And the thing of it is, uh, different ones do it different ways. I've actually seen some churches that all they had was a cow trough, you know, a big, long uh, metal cow trough with the cows drink out of because that's all they could afford they bring it in they fill it up with water so you might go down in jesus name in some cold water but hey uh you know uh, praise the lord you'll be baptized in jesus name and then and then god does his work we can't give you the holy ghost nobody can hand you the holy ghost god does that but you start seeking uh after the baptism of the holy ghost and i promise you if you seek you shall find Yes, yes, amen. And you will be baptized with that Holy Ghost in fire. And God will show you that you've been uh, filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking of the tongues as He gives the utterance. You can't do the, the uttering. God will do it. Uh, he'll be doing the moving of the lips and the tongue. And, and, and it's truly a, a wonderful and glorious experience. All of those who've been baptized with the, with the Holy Ghost can tell you in no uncertain terms it is the most wonderful thing you could ever experience is to feel the Spirit of God move into your soul. And uh, so, you know, I encourage you, and, and truly, uh, you know, is, is it too soon? I mean, if I were you, uh, I would find me a place to go this weekend. Find a church that you can go to. And, and uh, you know, a lot of oneness churches, if not most of them, they worship on sunday so you might have to uh get online get i don't think people use phone books much anymore but uh anyway but I, there's if you can't find one uh, right in your town try to find one nearby and find a way to get there praying for the lord to make a way and uh, god god will help you if you got a sincere heart god's going to work it out for you and um find a good body of believers and you say but what if i struggle with this just continue to pray and and be be honest 
with the minister and explain to them. And you can talk to them and say some things that maybe I've said, you know, that uh, I'm willing to live for the Lord. I want to live for the Lord. But I just, that attraction's there and, and it's never left me. Now, if, you know, sometimes some some pastors might uh, be extreme to want somebody going into reparative therapy and all that kind of thing. If you need to find a, a different place to go, then find a different place to go. But the Lord, um, he'll, he'll make a way. And, and just pray for this ministry. And, uh, you know, I'm just praying that, I mean, even if God got to move people here to this the greater Houston area and that God builds a wonderful church, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, to see people saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost and watching them grow in the Lord and, and living for Him uh, with all their heart. Uh, it, it's, it's just an exciting thing to, to see um, the, the hope of that in the future. So with that said, in Jesus' name, I, I just pray that God will keep His hand upon you all this weekend. And until we meet again, uh, y'all, stay away from them lies. You know, if if anything's been said to try to encourage you, I mean, maybe you've been going to a Trinitarian church for a long time, and maybe something that was said it just kind of like something went off in your mind. You're thinking, you know what? That's true. I, I know that it could be hard to maybe leave a church you've been at for years and years, but look, it's better to to as the Holy Ghost moves you and leads you into all truth. It's better to follow Him than to not follow Him. And so with that said, I love y'all, and uh, keep your hand in Jesus' hand and let him lead you and guide you. Amen. I'm out.